This is the Six Figure Creative Podcast, episode 158. Welcome to the Six Figure Creative Podcast, where our mission is to help you turn your creative passions into a stable, reliable income. If you're in audio, video, design, photography, or really any other creative field, and you just want to learn from other successful creatives, you're in the right place. Welcome back to another episode of the Six Figure Creative Podcast. I am your host, Brian Hood, and I'm here with my big, bald, beautiful, mustached man, who's my co-host, Christopher J. Graham. How you doing, my boot? I'm Finn. Boot? I, I, I combined <laughs> boo and dude, and it did not work really well. It was a complete mess up. You can call me, that could be your, your, uh, your, your pet name. Don't, no, no, let's not call it that. I can't that use weird. your pet name on the podcast. Anyways. Let's change topics really quick. Hey, I do have a mustache, and I've discovered the joys of no, mustache. No, we talk about your mustache in every intro that's ever existed, so we're going to move on from that subject. <laughs> Brian, how are you oh, doing, dude, sir? If somebody did the stats on podcast intros for the last 150 plus episodes, there's probably about seven where you ask me how I'm doing. There's no more yeah, than six. So I appreciate this. Was seventh right here? I appreciate you asking me that. Bro, I'm doing. I'm doing so good, my dude. Uh, oh, you you had something to say before I even answered? Did you want to to butt in? I've had so much fun trying to get guests lined up for us for this show. But I've also, since our systems are finally working now, I've been spending a lot of time trying to get us brand endorsements as well, specifically fun toys like e-bikes and motorized scooters and crap. So like now that. you so, heard it here first, folks. This is why it's taken so damn long for Six Figure Creative to get launched. September was the last episode we put out at Six Figure Home Studio, September 2020. It is as of today, we're recording this June 8th, 2021. And Chris has finally disclosed why it's taken so long. It's because he's been trying to get sponsorships for toys instead of guests for this podcast. Is that accurate, Chris? There is some truth. There was a point where you had gotten more sponsors for this podcast than guests. Is that correct? Well, and they're not sponsors as much as like brand endorsements for me. I've gotten none of it. You've gotten like a camera. You've gotten like microphones. You've gotten, you're trying to get like an electric bike thing. What's the, don't even say the company name. I'm not going to dignify them with that yet until they give me a bike. You're getting all this free crap or discounted crap or whatever. What have I've gotten out of this? I've got nothing. I I had Electro Voice send you the new RE20 because I think you sound better on an RE20 than an SM7B. And it was really cool. And it was a surprise. And I put a lot of work into that. That's the one thing I've gotten out of this. Well, we'll see. I'm working on some other stuff. More on cameras. I have been spending, Brian, I wish I was a photographer, man. Oh, because you do a lot of photography now? Here's the thing. So we'll talk about, I mean, I'm sure we've already talked about this, but I'm launching a new business right now, podcast agency, and I'm trying to get Chris to launch a new business as well so that we can be in the trenches again as, as business owners. We'll get into that more later because like, Again, I started my my studio way back in 2009, so it's been like over a decade since I've started from the ground level in a service world, like a creative niche. And so, starting a new business from scratch is going to bring a lot of content to this podcast, and I know it will for you too, Chris. If you if you do that, so I'm going to challenge yep. you for that. So let's change the subject here. We actually have an awesome guest on the podcast today. His name is Rodrigo Tasca, also known as Drigo. We're going to get into his story here, but some of the things that we talk about from this episode is so awesome for. Our current audience, which is predominantly audio engineers and recording studios, but for any future audiences going back to listen to this episode that are videographers, because he's a, he's a video agency or a video studio, graphic designers, any creative freelancer can learn from this because he, he talks about I me mean, and then his story is crazy where he started from basically nothing moving from his whole family moved over from Brazil at a young age. And so he was starting from, from scratch over here and didn't have a, maybe some of the connections or you know family friends that a lot of people might have to, to get those things started and has grown his thing to be a six-figure business relatively 
early. Like I think his second year was six figures. We talked about in this episode and he talks about how he grew that fast. It's unbelievable. And some of the things he did to get established and build his portfolio and get credibility and get these clients that actually pay money, it is worth sticking around for and listening to this episode. So if there's not anything that I've missed here, Chris, worth uh, talking about, we should just bring in the interview. Let's do it. Let's go, Brian. Here's our interview with Rodrigo Casca. We're here. We're joined with our hopefully friend soon. Depends on how this interview goes. With our friend, soon to be friend, Rodrigo Tasca from Tasca Studios. And we're super excited to, to pick his brain. He runs a studio out of Florida doing video production for business owners and maybe a few other things along with that. We're going to dive into his story here of how he got started, how he got into the book, Crushing It by Gary V. All from being, well, we're just going to get into the story because I don't want to, I don't want to spoil too much, too much of it here. So Rodrigo, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, my dude. Guys, thanks for having me, man. It's a pleasure. I would like to talk about a few things here. I have a whole agenda of things I like to talk about with, with guests. Your story specifically is interesting because you're kind of the, the American dream kind of story. You came over from Brazil with your family and started a, a business from basically scratch with no, no roots, no, no real connections. I'd like to get to talk about the, the beginning where you started to find your passion for what it is that you do today. Because so many people are in this transitionary period where they're trying to figure out, is my passion even worth pursuing at all in the first place? So talk about the finding the passion that you have for video at this point. So honestly, I came across video a really long time ago. And as an immigrant, oldest child of three, it was one of those things of like following my passion was just something that didn't fit the role that my family kind of had an idea, right? It's like, hey, you come to America, you're going to go go to school, going to get a good job, you're going to buy a home, you're going to retire, all of that. So with video in South Florida, it was just one of those things that didn't seem like a dream that was really going to be like for me able to achieve what I wanted to do. So I did a lot of different things. I worked in the hospitality industry and it wasn't until by accident, I went to Peru to visit a friend. He was doing real estate there and I had my GoPro, which is actually right back here. And I just started shooting videos for him. And we launched this business called Home for Travelers where we're doing videos. And this is like 2011, 12, shooting videos for these rental properties. And like that's where I first got like my introduction to video. The business didn't work out, but that's the first time I saw that video was, you know, a possibility for me. About two years later, I moved to New York City. I'm working at an event. I used to do catering, uh, like some high-end stuff. And I'm holding like a tray of champagne and I see these guys with these like camera rig things. I had no idea what it was. And I was like, yo, like, why am I holding champagne? And these guys are over here getting paid way more money than me to do video. You know, and I kind of like that kind of sparked an idea for me. I was like, I'm in New York City. This is the environment that I can actually start pursuing my dreams. Luckily enough, by accident, a week later, I'm working at another catering event. And as I'm working this event, I hear this guy talk about how he made $10,000 buying Shaq dolls at Kmart. No, buying Shaq dolls at the dollar store and returning them to Kmart and he made $10,000. As an immigrant child, that is the stuff that I used to do. I used to be the kid at school that sold candy, burned CDs. Like, that was me. So I'm hearing this guy talk. I'm like, dude, who is this guy? And he starts talking about, like, this is 2015. He's like, if you love doing something, there's no better time than now for you to follow a career, be passionate about it. If you love Pokemon card, you know, go after it. And just happened that guy was Gary V. So in New York City, hearing him talk, 
literally that day, um, actually like two days later, I ended up buying my camera and start pursuing video as like a part-time hobby, which eventually turned to you know, my six-figure agency that I run now. So you're in one of the most expensive cities in the world trying to start a video production business. How do you, how do you manage building a brand new business in a city that is not very forgiving towards new businesses? Well, honestly, it's, my intention in the beginning wasn't to actually start a business. And it was really just to do something that I love. At that time, I was 26, 27 years old. I dropped out of college. You know, I was in the catering hospitality industry, but it was getting to the point that I'm like, I know I can't do this forever. So I might as well start doing something that I love. And video just happened to be that. So like I was shooting videos for friends. I was shooting videos for the company that I, I worked for. And my goal was just to make a little bit of money, right? Like I was, somebody paid me 50 bucks to go shoot a video. Like I was excited. But eventually... With New York, the thing is, everybody wants video. Like the mar- like being in a market where there's a demand for you to grow is so much easier because there's way more opportunities. So, you know, I just started placing myself in front of people and just, you know, start shooting everything that I could to kind of learn because I didn't go to school. I looked into going to film school and I was like, oh, 50 grand a year or whatever. I was like, I can't afford that. So I, I turned to YouTube and, you know, I just wanted to learn and just shoot videos for whoever I could. So you're, I mean... I feel like most of our listeners can can understand the exact thing. We all started from a passion. It's like passion first in this world. In the creative world, we have this passion for something. And then we ask the question, how can we monetize this and and start to do those things? So you were doing a lot of f- free work in New York City, I believe. Is, is that correct? Yeah, free work. Like I was like the king of $200 videos. Like I would shoot a video, like out of work for like eight, 10 hours a day and like probably spend like 30 hours editing, you know, a $200 video. But for me at that time, with catering, I was making $150 for every catering shift that I worked for this company. So my goal was like, I just need to make more money than I am for catering, right? And that's where, like, that's where I started at 200 And that kind of just, you know, kept going from there, from there, from there. If you, if you could go back, would you still start that same way? Or would you start trying to charge more sooner? Or what would you, what would you do differently, if anything? Honestly, I'm a big fan of the free work. It has led me to a lot of different opportunities in a lot of different places. And I think, you know, if you're someone that's gone, you've had the, because for me, here's the thing. I was learning day by day, right? So for me, I didn't feel right charging somebody, not knowing what my deliverable or what the expectations of what I could actually deliver looked like. So it didn't feel right for me to actually charge somebody money for it. It wasn't eventually that people start coming back to me and they're like, dude, that video is really good. And I was like, oh, okay, like maybe I need to start charging more money for this. So if you're looking to just get started, if you're looking to get your foot through the door, if you don't know what you're doing, do work for free. Go find somebody that's doing what you want to do and go work for them. I've heard a lot of mixed arguments online about like some people are, are just like, they have their stake in the ground. And they say, you should never, ever, ever do free work. And some of these people I've, I've seen do this are like, especially in the audio industry, there's like Grammy winning people. And these are business owners in other areas that are like seven figure business owners. And I just, I feel like those people are too far out of touch with what it's like to be an absolute beginner to understand what, so I, I personally think doing free work at the very beginning to build your portfolio, to build your self-confidence more than anything and start building out your systems and processes so you can deliver on what you're doing. This, this is to me, I don't see many other options for getting started unless you just have some sort of clout already, or you already know a lot about what you're doing already to be able to, to confidently charge somebody from the very beginning. So I'm, I'm, I'm all on board for the free work. Well, and the thing about the free work, when you see these sort of, uh, pardon me, wants to call them old timers, but yeah, 
but you you see these sort of like you know industry standard people, these older people that are like never ever 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 do free work. And I think one of the things that they don't grasp is when you're just starting out, like in 2015, in 2020, in 2021, your free work has so much more power because it can go viral. It can spread in a way that free work 10 years ago couldn't. So 10 years ago, should you have done free work? Eh, the argument's not as strong, but it's getting stronger the easier it is for you to be like, hey, I made this thing and I put it on Instagram. I made a fake commercial for free or I made a commercial for free for somebody. I put it on Instagram. People saw it. A bunch of people saw it. I got more work. So I think there's just, yeah, there's no reason to not be doing that to get yourself off the ground. And I think and the other big part of the free work is is being intentional with, with your free work, right? Because like, I don't want you to go out and shoot free videos for everyone. For me was, I saw a company I wanted to work with and I shot something that I knew I wanted to do more of. I offered to do a free video for them because of the brand association. This is like a very high-end like luxury magazine. I got to work with like literally my first year of work. I worked with Seth Rogen. Swiss Beats, but these were like all like $150 to $200 videos that I put myself in front of this magazine and I was getting to work with these kind of like celebrities and then when I was later on showing other people this work, they're like, dude, you worked with Seth Rogen, you did a video with Swiss Beats? I'm like, yeah, like they don't know how much you charge, like that I didn't, I charged almost nothing for that, right? So be very intentional with the free work that you're going to do. So like when I started doing free work, when I moved to South Florida, I found a dentist that I wanted to work with because I knew that if I did a free video for him, I could leverage that video to do other videos, paid projects for another people. So like be very strategic about how are you going to do your free work? Yeah. And I, I want to go back to that dentist thing in a minute, but you, let, let's talk about the move to Florida. So you, you, you moved from New York city, one of the most expensive cities in the world to Florida, which depending on which city you're in is relatively cheap, especially compared to New York. Is that what motivated you to make that move? To be honest with you, it was the cold weather, man. <laughs> it, I remember it was like uh, it was like two o'clock in the morning. I got off the train and I'm I'm walking back to my apartment and like the cold weather just hit my bones and I was like, why am I here? You know what I mean? And not that like I was I'm very grateful for the opportunity I got when I was in New York. There's a certain aspect of your environment and like the cold and like I was honestly starting to feel a little depressed, like. When it's four o'clock in the afternoon, the sun's gone and it's 18 degrees outside, like the motivation just starts to go away. So after that winter, I was like, I want to go back to Florida. At that time, I had like a mentor that he does a lot of like big hotels and stuff. And he's older. He's probably like in his 50s or so. He didn't do video. So he's like, yo, Rodrigo, like, you know, come do video. I got projects for you. I got projects for you. And I was like, I was like, you know what? I was like, let me go move to Florida and work with this guy. So that was like the main driving force for me. Cause then I was looking at my market because like in New York city, Craigslist was king at that time, right? Like if you're, only, if you're looking for any kind of projects, you want on Craigslist and there's jobs in there every single day. And when it came to, uh, I started looking at Florida, Florida did really didn't have a lot of competition. So like I wanted to put myself in a market that I was going to be able to, you know, grow and succeed a lot faster because the thing with New York, is every day somebody's younger, newer, better than you is moving there, right? And with that, it allows you to grow a lot faster because you constantly have to innovate. But it got to a point that I was like, I'm approaching my 30s. How long can I keep doing this? Versus if I moved to Florida, I could possibly start a video production business and start servicing these clients that don't have anyone offering videos for them. So you, you made this move from New York City down to Florida and immediately you move into a, like a high-rise penthouse, like luxury 
mansion, right? Something like that, but no. <laughs> no, you were, you, you were sacrificing. You, you, I, I was reading a story or it was a YouTube video where you talked about you moved in with your parents when you moved back to Florida to get this business started. And I just want to point that fact out because that is sacrifice. Like to be in your late twenties, moving in with your parents to a new city to get your business started. I don't know that many people that are willing to do that and make that sort of sacrifice. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was tough for me too, because like I was 30 years old, moving back to my hometown. All my friends are having like having babies, getting married. And then here I am, you know, and with social media, everyone's like, yo, Rodrigo's in New York city. And now they're like, you just moved back home with your parents. Like what's, what's the deal with that? But I mean, honestly, for me, I grew up in a very supporting household. I was lucky enough that my mom went through this thing with my grandpa. Then my grandpa wanted my mom to become a teacher, made her go to school to get a degree. And my mom graduated. She literally handed my grandpa the diploma. She goes, here you go. You could hang it up on your wall. And she went to like become a, a journalist. So with me, she saw mm. that like, you know, I wasn't passionate about school, but I was really passionate about video. They were so supporting of like whatever I needed to do, like, you know, between sleeping on the couch and things like that, they were always just there for me. So I think the environment that you're you're in makes a big factor as well. Where in Florida? So I was in Pompano Beach. So I was about it's 45 minutes north of Miami, about 30, 40 minutes of West Palm. So you weren't in like a major city. You were, you're moving to a relatively small city, especially compared to New York. Yeah, but it, it's funny how it worked out because Pompano Beach is right between Boca, which is like the last city of Palm Beach County. And then it's kind of overlooked by Fort Lauderdale. But that area for Pompano Beach, there's actually a lot of businesses there. So at that point, there's I didn't even money. know about this. A lot of corporations are in that area. So like, there's still clients that, I mean, I started a business in 2016 when I moved down here. Like I still have about five clients that I started with when I first started my business. Just because... I placed myself in Google. I did like all the Google, my business, all these different things. So people start searching for me. I showed up and uh, just what I learned with like branding and all that stuff. Like they're like, oh, this guy worked with like Swiss Beats and Seth Rogen. He must be good. You know what I mean? And it just kind of worked out for me. That's amazing. And Brian, just to give you an idea of how much money is in that area. uh, When my dad lived down there, I used to go and visit him when I was in high school and I would go on runs. And one time I was running down the main drag in Boca and I came to a stoplight and I stopped for the, waiting for the crosswalk and I looked to my right and there were two identical yellow Lamborghinis parked at that red light just randomly. They didn't know each other. And I was like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm not in Kansas anymore. Now you made our listeners say, well, that's the only reason Drigo is successful is because he's in the richest county in Florida. No, that's, not the, that's definitely not the case. Okay. So let's talk about finding profitable niches. I think this is from what I can gather, one of your superpowers is that you you are great at finding and establishing yourself in profitable niches. And so when you landed in, in that county and you've started to look around and see what was out there for you, you you jumped right on the things that you could find. So this is is this about the time that you started you tried the free video for the the dentist, or is this just give me a, a timeline here for that? Yeah. So when I moved down from Florida or when I moved down from New York, I had a couple like problems which I didn't realize, right? First, I didn't understand. I was like, started reaching out to businesses and I'm like, hey, I do video. And they're like, okay, great. And I'm like, you need video, like you're a business. And like, they didn't understand like how video, but that was just like, they always say Florida is late to the market. So like with New York and LA, like video such as man, no one in Florida really cared about it. The other thing I went through in New York, 
you're like a one man band, right? As uh, D Rock, what is he calls it? Like a predator, a producer, editor, a videographer type thing. And people didn't understand that, like me as a one man band, could produce, edit, shoot, do everything. So I was like, hey, this is Rodrigo from Rodrigo Tasca Productions. And they're like, who's Rodrigo? Which I, that's where my Instagram name came from, Drigo Who was because like i'll literally call businesses to be like who's rodrigo tasca and i'm like so like what is the problem here and they're like one man band can do all of this so at that time living at home like pretty much sharing a bedroom with my sister i was like oh tasca studios so then i started calling people around like hey this is tasca studios so then they're like okay cool like tasca studios sounds more official and i started getting for a couple of businesses but then they're like hey your videos look great i love this stuff you put, like the high fashion stuff the behind the scenes but like how does this apply to my business? Like I'm a business owner. What am I going to do with like a cool behind the scenes fashion video? And I was like, Oh, this is the next problem that I need to start solving. So with that, I was like, okay, so I need to find someone that I could shoot a free video for that could then show other business owners that like, Hey, I can do these kind of videos. As I grew and learned that like, you need to solve a business problem. You know what I mean, you just doing a free video for someone or like just creating a video, like business owners cares about solving business problems. I love that, Drigo. And as, you, as you're talking about this, one of the things we love to do on this show is to come up with new terms, new phrases to help people take an, a big idea and cram it down in a nice little package. And as you're talking about your problem of moving to Florida and people are looking at your portfolio and they're like, these are great, but how does this apply to me? It would be interesting to call something like that client portfolio match. There's something about having the right client look at the right portfolio Versus having the right client look at the wrong pieces or where the, the client has to do the work and say, well, he's got talent. How would I use that talent versus I'm a dentist. This guy reached out to me. He did a video for another dentist. It looks way better than anything else I've got. Duh, I'll hire him. Here's the, here's the important thing I don't want anyone to miss is the fact that you are actually talking to potential clients because <laughs> to, yeah. to learn this stuff, you had to talk to them to figure out what it was, keep, what was actually keeping them from hiring you. So were you cold calling? Were you emailing? Were you showing up on their doorstep? What were you doing to get in contact with these businesses? So the first thing that we did was I pretty much started learning, like I went to YouTube, right? And I just started learning about marketing. And then uh, a big thing that I struggled with in the beginning as well was I didn't have any money to market myself. Like the advertisement, like I was, I heard about pay-per-click because like, you know, I was listening to Gary V and he's like, spend money on social media, spend money on, you know, advertisement. But I was like, I don't have, like, I'm literally living at home with my parents, like probably had like 50 bucks in my bank account. And I'm like, I can't do that. So I was like, what is it? What skill can I learn to help? So I learned about SEO, learn like search engine optimization. Within six months of moving back home, I ended up ranking my website on Google for video production in Pompano Beach. So that gave me a bigger understanding of this other problem that a lot of business owners had. So by me understanding how the SEO thing worked, I started realizing how video played into that. And I don't want to go like, I guess, like too technical with this, but then I started looking at the dentists in my area. They're spending money on advertising, like, like, oh, you're running, you know, pay-per-click campaigns, but you're not in ranking in Google. I was like, let me reach out to this guy and I'd be like, hey, John, saw you running no pay-per-click ads. Uh, but you're not ranking in Google. I took a look at your site and I saw you're missing these these things. I don't know if you're aware of this. YouTube is the world's second largest search engine owned by Google. I think us creating a video would really help boost your presence. Let me know if you want to chat. I'd send out these emails. I'd send probably 
20 to 25 emails like this a day. No response. No response. And then I'll do follow-up emails. And eventually, one dentist reached back out. He didn't reach actually my... So then I had my sister follow back up because like I wanted to make the company look bigger. So at this point, I hired my sister. She was a hostess at a restaurant. And then when she got off work, she would help me do business stuff. So with the whole like perception of like, oh, let me make this business seem bigger. I have my sister send an email like, hey, we're going to close your file. I want to make sure that you're no longer interested because we're only working with one dentist in your area. And we like, we want to make sure you're not interested in this. And the guy's like, hey, like, hey, Wall Street, I missed your email. Like, we get a lot of these things. I Like, let me talk to your producer. So I got the guy on the phone. I was like, hey, man, like, I was just straight up with him. Like, listen, I've been doing video for about two years now. I'm moving. New, I'm new to the market. I saw that you guys are posting on social media. You have an updated website. Like, your brand looks like someone I want to work with. I want to offer you a free video, no strings attached, just so I can be able to show somebody else what we're able to do. And the guy's like, all right, cool. Let's come in and do it. That video itself, you know, I learned a lot of things. Like I learned about working with the business, like working with the dentists are great because they do have money. They're very profitable business, but they don't have time. They're super busy people. So I learned about scheduling, working with dentists. I learned about when are they, when did they get into the office? If you're going to reach a dentist, email them at six o'clock in the morning. You know what I mean? Like those things that like you don't learn about until you get into the field. I learned a lot of those things working on this one free video. That one free video has probably brought in over, I'd say, $70,000 worth of business. So there's, there's an interesting point you bring up there is since you picked this specific niche, which is dentists, and they are qualified because they have cash, they need the service, you have this unfair advantage over people who don't specialize in that niche. At least when you're starting out, you were specializing in dentists. You could learn the little intricacies of their business that other people don't know. Like you just said, emailing them at 6 a.m. if you want to actually reach them, understanding how busy they are, needing to know their scheduling. Like this is the the value that niching down offers you is learning so much about a specific type of customer that other people don't know. And that allows you to tailor your service and your communication style and all these other things around that type of client to make the service more valuable to them without really costing you anything extra. You're just learning how to work with a customer and they're getting more value out of it. So I want to shift gears a little bit here and talk about kind of like, it seems like this this is kind of your next phase in your career where you started working with agencies who didn't do video. I call these people gatekeepers because these are the people who hold the key to lots and lots of projects. So you started, I believe, and please fill in the gaps here. You started reaching out to agency owners who offered all sorts of services, but video was not one of those in hopes to get those projects from them. Yeah, correct. So I'm a really big fan of farming. Um, you know, I want to work with other farmers that have the crops that I want and I want them to do the, the work for me. Right. So coming back in at that time, not a lot of people offered videos and I went, attended a couple of different, uh, networking events where I knew other marketing agencies are going to be at. And I was just like, Hey, you know, same thing. Hey, I'm new in town. I see you guys do SEO and marketing. I'm a video production agency. I'll love to partner up with you on future projects just as you know, an extension of good faith. If you have a project that you think video would be a good, like, you know, uh, collab for us, I'd love to do a free video for you just to get my foot in the door and we can see if we work together. That itself, like, helped my business so much because now I had myself doing sales for my business, but then also had another business push my business to already warm clients that they had. 
So I, I think one important note there is if you if you listen back to our interview with Anthony from lyricvids.com back in episode 151, he talked about how his cold outreach strategy was working so well and you know all these things that sound really good, but the the key to the success there for him and for Rodrigo here is that he was prepared for that stage when he got there. So with Rodrigo here, he had the portfolio, he had the experience, he had the confidence, he had his website up. He had all these things in place so that when he went and threw his name in the hat, to these gatekeepers, they don't take a look at Rodrigo and say, "Oh, this guy's a this guy's a joke. He's not. I'm not working with this guy." Like he, they took a look at his work and said, "He's serious. His quality is there. His website looks serious. He looks like he's going to take care of our clients." And that's an important part of this. If you're going to do cold outreach or or start cold calling people, again, it's the same sort of thing. That's why Anthony from Lyricvids had such success is because his website is amazing, and Rodrigo has a great website as well. So these things all play into. The whole picture here, you can't just start sending out 25 cold emails a day or showing up the networking events and trying to get a hold of these gatekeepers or or do some of the other things we talk about on this podcast without having the foundation built and put into place first. So can you talk about some of those things that you have set up to, to help with the legitimacy? One of those things being listings and bo- uh, business directories on Google. Like What other things do you do to, to help with what I call positioning and differentiation? Yeah, yeah. So I think the biggest thing that I think for everyone that's like a freelancer, just kind of getting started in this is that you have to understand that your main goal with positioning and branding yourself is that you want to minimize risk for the business owner you're going to work with. So by risk, I mean like business owners are busy people. They don't have time for uncertainties in their life. So if you're able to present them that you've done this kind of work before you work with people like them, you're minimizing the risk for them of working with you. So with a lot of different things I learned with my business, like with the dentist, I have a page on my website that is literally dedicated just to dentists. It would like we'll talk about your practice. We talk about patients versus customers using words that sound familiar to them. So we do a lot of different types of productions now, but I have very hyper niche pages within my website for different industries. And I kind of learned that when I first moved down here because I was also doing weddings. I think for anyone that's like in video production, I think doing weddings at one point or another, it's going to come across your table. But I started losing brides, like people like, hey, I love your work. They'll go to my website. And then my website would have dentist video, a wedding video. And brides were like, oh, I don't want someone that does dentist videos. I only want somebody that does wedding videos. And like, it's the same thing, like the same person. I was like, you know what? That's the problem. I talked to another bride, same thing. I was like, okay, great. I went to Squarespace, TaskaWeddings.com. Go to the website in like three days. Hey, here's the website, TaskaWeddings.com. Only has wedding videos. Booking started going up like through the roof, right? So like it came down of like, make it super easy for your clients. Make sure that you're the right person to work with them. Now with the business listing stuff, I think that this goes for any business, right? You want to do these three things. You want to go to Google My Business, set up your business account there. You want to go to Yelp. You want to go to Bing. Those are the three major ones that you want to play with. And there's over like 200 directories, but you want to get your business optimized in there with your like, they call it NAP name, address, and phone number. You want to make sure that those are consistent throughout the whole place. You want to make sure that those are the same on your website as well. And you can go to Fiverr and stuff like that to get people to do them for you. We actually use that service a lot to have people actually come in and build out our directories for us. Um, I think Fiverr is probably the cheapest place that you can go nowadays to do it. There's other 
bigger uh, players in the game they'll charge you like 150 dollars a month for like six seven months where you could probably pay somebody like 50 dollars in fiber to do this work for you for the next three to six months i want to go back to the the wedding versus dentist thing because this ties into adding to the directories and all that as well one of the things brian and i have noticed coming out of the audio industry you know most of our audience they own recording studios and we've talked about niching constantly uh, on the show and one of the things that we get pushback from is that for a lot of people, a lot of creative freelancers in our sort of neck of the woods, the thought of niching down of, well, I'm going to offer less services so my business will grow is just terrifying. And, you know, so it's, it's not uncommon where you'll, you know, go to someone's website and be like, I do mixing, mastering, editing, vocal editing, blah, 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 blah. They just go on and on and on about every possible service you could offer. And I love the story you just told about, I talked to my customers, they told me I was offering two different services basically and that that alone was scaring away some of the customers so you just launched a brand new business had solo branding for it and then created you know directory you know created a presence on the internet and i think that's something that so many creative freelancers struggle with is this idea of like yeah but niching you're saying if i if i offer less services i'll make more money there's an inherent tension where that doesn't make sense so dude i, I you explain that I think better than Brian and I ever have using that story. So kudos, man. You know, I'm very involved with the future. And this is something that Chris Doe preaches to us a lot about niching down. And me and Mo were talking about this. I think the big reason why niching, and I still struggle with niching. Like I still do a lot of different projects. You know what I mean? But I think the big problem with niching for creatives is that when we start out, we take on every single job possible to make money to survive. So that's like the thing that we do for the first two to three years, right? Like we take on every single job. we got to pay the bills. But I think it then comes to a point where you start figuring out what are the jobs that I really enjoy doing? What are the jobs that are more profitable for me? And that's when I think you should start looking at niching down into an industry because the more that you start niching down into a certain area, now you become an expert. So the same way, you know, if, there was a bride looking at my website and she goes, oh, dentist video, wedding video. She goes to the next person. Oh, this guy only does wedding videos. That guy has more expertise and authority than me through her eyes, right? Because he only focuses on doing weddings. So he knows how the wedding goes. He knows like he's not doing other stuff. So that's where I think people need to look at. It's like get to the point where you find the jobs that you enjoy doing, that you, you see the same problems over and over again. And then you can start charging way more money to solve those. And through that, you know, there's going to be a certain point that you're going to make less money, but that's a very small percentage of it. So for me, my first year of business, I think we did $37,000 when I moved back from when I was living at home with my parents, with my sisters working with me, we made $37,000. At the end of the year, literally, I remember looking at my bank account, January 1st, I had $100 to my name. And I'm like, full of self-doubt at this time. I'm like, yo, literally, I worked this hard this year to make $37,000. Like, why did I bring my sister in to work with me? Like, all these kind of, like, self-doubt going through. But the next year, we did, on, on the books, we did 97000 But you guys know how stuff goes under projects that don't make it on the books. You know? But having my sister come in in place and helping that year, like, it was a setback. But we literally doubled the business because now she knew how the business worked. We're able to hire other people to do certain things. 
I kind of lost my train of thought there, but it's, you know, you're going to have small setbacks and you got to learn things along the way and just, just stick to it. You talked about something that I want to kind of bring back up here with the niching down where when we start out, we're doing, you know, every single project we can possibly get our hands on. We're in yes mode. So way back in episode 17 of this podcast, we talked about the five stages of a successful recording career. I think we kind of outline it really well there. If you're not a recording studio owner and you do some other creative field, it's going to still pertain to you. But I want to, I want to mention a book here that I think is going to be super helpful for someone who's currently in yes mode and wants to get out of that and start niching down is a book called The Pumpkin Plan by Mike Michalowicz. I'm reading awesome that right book. now. No yes. way. <laughs> That's so such awesome. a good book. So yeah, it's, it basically helps people think through like, hey, finding those profitable customers, the customers that aren't pains in the ass, customers that are fun to work with, that, that sort of stuff. And, and I think he does a really good job uh, laying that out there. So I think as we kind of wrap this conversation up, I'd like to chat about client acquisition with you, Rodrigo, because you threw a little tidbit in our pre-interview that I have to bring up. And I'm curious if there's other areas that you, you talk about client acquisition, but Clubhouse which is an audio app that may or may not be dead in a couple of years. We, who knows as fast as these, these social media apps go. You said you got a $28,000 project off of Clubhouse. And I would love to know uh, more about that specifically, but also how your, how your overall client acquisition strategy looks these days. Yeah. So with Clubhouse, and I'm going to say I, I did get, I mean, I don't know if I was lucky, but you know, being in a room with Chris Doe carries a lot of weight to what you're doing and then getting the opportunity to speak on a room with him and having other people listen. And that kind of like just kind of worked out with me. I had, we we're hosting rooms about, you know, local marketing and advertisement and how video plays. It just happened that this one guy does a uh, head of marketing for a practice that has about six offices was listening to the room. He liked about my strategy that I mentioned for video and how video could play out. And he joined a couple of the rooms, sent me a DM. He's like, hey, I'm interested to find out more about what you do. I heard you speaking with Chris. And, you know, over two or three phone calls, he's like, hey, I talked to the owner of the practice. We want to do like a six month uh, contract for you to come in and start doing videos for us. That's awesome. So being in part of it's right place, right time, but also being willing to put yourself out there because I've been in Clubhouse and I've heard you on some of those calls and you're willing to to not only just share value, but to get vulnerable on those calls as well. So for those who don't know, by the way, Chris, Chris Doe, I, I honestly wasn't that familiar with him being in the audio background, but he's he's like one of the top you know, design agency owner people. And he's got an awesome podcast called The Future and Website. And his mission, he's got a very ambitious mission of, of helping a billion creatives do what they love for a living. So definitely check out the podcast, that website and, and everything that Chris does over there. And Rodrigo works with him on stuff as well. How'd you get connected with Chris, by the way? It's funny, man. The right place, right time. So like with the whole, the Gary V crushing it thing, that happened with, you know, showing up. Right. I, I was in New York City still when when I was living there and I came across Gary V. At that point I was like, I wanna work for Gary V. So at that time, pretty much listening to what Gary says, don't listen don't what he says, don't watch right no. Don't listen to what I say, watch what I do. And he's like, You're gonna get to somebody, would it like get to what they care about? Gary V cares about his team. So I started becoming I went to Twitter, started following everyone on Twitter. Like pretty much I look at the people's profiles and find out where do they have the least amount of followers at. So for a lot of the people at that time was Twitter. Instagram was popping off. Twitter wasn't active. So I found his, um, you know, head of development. Alex became friends with him on Insta or on Twitter. 
And then one day Alex is like, yo, looking for stories for crushing it. And I was like, yo, Alex, I got a story for you. I told him about how I came across Gary Vee, how I illegally downloaded the audiobook and was listening to it in the train. And then how I moved back home to start a business with my sister. And throughout like a six month process, uh, you know, one day he hits me up and he's like, yo, Gary read your story. They want to put you in the book. Uh, we're going to do a call with like the ghostwriter. Sure enough, like, you know, that was kind of how that worked out. With Chris Doe, I came across him. He's like talking about how to charge more money for a uh, logo. And I was like, dude, who's this bald Asian guy? Like he just blew my mind, right? Talking about like, oh, he has a really popular video that this guy's trying to buy a logo. And he's like, hey, I'm going to do a logo for you. It's going to be $20,000. And the guy's like, $20,000? He's like, I got somebody I could do it for cheaper. And he's like, then like, then hire them. You know what I mean? So why, like, why are you talking to me? He's like, and then they kind of go into like the whole pricing structure of things. I was like, I got to find out more about this guy. He's having a workshop in LA, $100. He's going to do like this thing at this college. I fly to LA, go do this, this workshop, go there by myself, spend a day. End of the workshop, I get to talk to him for like five minutes. A uh, month later, hey, I'm going to do my pricing creative workshop, 500 bucks out in LA. I was like, I'm going back to LA. Buy the ticket, go to LA. I get to the Futures headquarters. And it honestly felt like one of those like Apple commercials where like two people walk into the room, there's lights everywhere and there's only, there's only two chairs. I'm thinking there's going to be like a full on workshop full of people. There's me and this other dude. And Chris is like, yeah, I guess the workshop wasn't as popular. So you guys get me for the whole day. <laughs> ended up spending like, this is like a four hour workshop. Ended up being like an eight hour day with Chris. Went out to lunch, went out to dinner. He was like asking us all these questions. And that's when I first got like on his radar. A couple months later, he does the same workshop in Miami. And he's like, yo, Drigo, I know you're in Miami. Uh, I want you to be my guest. And like, you get some photos from me, just get feedback from the crowd. This is going to be the first one that I'm doing outside of the future. And then from there, like things just kind of kicked off. So I think now more than ever, if you want to get to someone, if you want to work with someone, the possibility is there is, are you willing to do the work? Are you willing to show up for that person? Right. And I just kept putting myself out there. Like I shot, I did something else for Chris that he doesn't remember, but I stripped one of his videos on YouTube and I like, I made an edit out of it and I sent it to him and like, he didn't remember that it was me, but like, I, like I started doing the things like, what can I do that's helpful for this guy? So I can start getting his radar. And sure enough, you know, I enjoyed the pro group. And then eventually I was doing videos with Chris. I went on his podcast. Like I've hung, like I go to LA now, like we go out to lunch and chill. So it's like, if you want to get to someone guys more than ever, it's the easiest time to do it. You can find everything about anyone on the internet. Right. And it's, are you willing to put in the work? Are you willing to show up? Yeah. I think that we were talking about your superpower, Rodrigo, I think either before the interview or kind of the earlier part of this interview. And I think that that really w sums up your your superpower. I like talking about superpowers to people in interviews because I feel like everyone has one superpower and you have multiple ones, but I think one big one that you have is your willingness and ability to put yourself out there and to be in a lucky right place at the right time just because you've put yourself out there. And I think more people need to do that and not sit behind their computer screens in their basements or their parents' house or whatever and actually put themselves out on the line with the potential possibility of nothing happening or getting rejected or not getting what you want. There's a lot of potential downsides, but the upsides are so, so much better than the downsides. Yeah. A big thing that me and my sister, when we first got started out, 
I had a big thing saying that if you don't ask, the answer is always no. And that's gotten me so far in so many places. Because like, what's the worst, right? If you ask somebody a question and tell you no, nothing changes your life. You move on, right? But you start learning from those experiences. All right. So, Drigo, dude, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. Is there anything that you would like to, anywhere you want to send our audience or where can they find more about you or maybe hire you for video work? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram, uh, Drigo underscore who, or our website, taskastudios.com, or even YouTube. I do a lot of content on YouTube just trying to help and give back the things I've learned over the years because I went through a thing. I guess we missed this part, but like when I moved down to Florida, I reached out to so many people, man. It's like in New York is a very collaborative environment. Like you have a shoot come through. I came to Florida. People were like, no, like you're trying to steal my clients. Like no one wanted to put me on. So like when, as I grew, I was like, I want to be the total opposite of every single one of those people. Like I want to put people on. I want to have you on my set. If I could help you, I want to be that person that's going to make a difference. That's awesome. And that's, and that's how I found you, by the way, Drigo is on YouTube. Uh, one of your videos is awesome on there on, on starting your video production business. So yeah, I was just going to say, and it's funny, Drigo, when we were looking for people to interview, Brian found you on YouTube. I found you on Clubhouse and we did a meeting and, we're, and Brian was like, Rodrigo Tasca. And I was like, yeah, it's on my list too. No way. <laughs> that is awesome. Oh my gosh, Drigo, what? That was such a fun interview, Brian. And as we talked about the vision for the Six Figure Creative, Drigo, that was sort of exactly the type of interview that we have been wanting to do of when we want to do so many more of them. No matter what kind of freelancer you are, you can listen to Drigo's story and get so many ideas that you can pluck from his story, from his industry, and just drop them right down in yours. And I think that's what makes this idea for the podcast such a beautiful pivot for us to go in this direction where you are learning things to add to your business from other industries. Yeah. I think there's this fallacy. It's a big word that means uh, BS. <laughs> I think you're talking down to our, thanks for mansplaining to our audience what fallacy means. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for mansplaining to me that I just did that because yeah. I didn't realize I did. And I need, I need that yeah. accountability. Sorry guys. So there's this stupid idea in a lot of creative niches that you can only learn business within your own particular creative niche. That's not true. As a matter of fact, it's the absolute opposite of true. The best place to learn business isn't from people in your own niche. It's from people in shoulder industries. It's from people in one niche over, from two niche overs. That's where you can really start to bring something unique to your business because the I'm getting excited here. But I think what a lot of creatives, what, what a lot of creative freelancers get wrong is they think that to grow their business, they need to do what the most successful people in their industry are doing. And, and that, that'll help maybe a little bit, but what will really light you off, what will really make things work for you is that you start doing things that smart business people are doing in other industries that no one in your industry is doing yet, like starting a business podcast for audio engineers. <laughs> but also that's what Drigo was doing when he was, he was following Gary Vee and, and Gary Vee's not in his niche or in his industry. It's a completely different business model and everything that he's doing, but he still adapted a lot of those things that he was doing, learning from Gary Vee and brought it over to the video production business. I mean, I even learned things that he talked about that I'm going to implement for, for my podcast agency. Like that, there's stuff that I'm doing with that, that, that he taught me in this interview that I'm going to just steal, <laughs> not really steal, but borrow. It's, it's a borrow. There's no stealing because he still has it. You know, he still gets to keep doing it, but I took two pages of notes. You brought up earlier in that interview that he was actually speaking to potential customers. 
that was huge. And you were right to sort of underline that. And I thought that what he said about noticing the same problems again and again, as he talked to all of these new potential customers, there's gold in them that are hills, guys, that he noticed that. It's fine. Just keep being weird, Chris. Don't stop. I'll keep being weird. But that he mentioned finding that common problem. That's where you find product or service market fit. It's when what you are providing and what the market wants start to click together. You can't find that unless you are talking to potential customers. You can't grow unless you find it. I don't know. I don't know. Help me, Brian. I'm I'm flailing wild. I just like here. to watch you struggle like this sometimes. You just you back yourself into these corners, and then you I can see those pleading eyes through our our screen yeah. here. So there's another part of this story that resonates with me because he started his studio in his parents' house, and I I st- or he started his his video studio. I started my recording studio in my parents' basement, which so it's like there's a lot of parallels. And he made almost the exact same, same amount of money his first year that I made my first year. The difference was I didn't take any of the entrepreneurial stuff seriously until 2014, which is like five or six years later. So I didn't crack six figures until then. He did it his second year, which is absolutely insane. So it just shows you like how fast you can grow if you take the business side of your business seriously. So that's that's just a good testament to actually taking some of the things that Drigo's doing and saying and, and preaching and, and doing himself and applying it to your own business in whatever creative niche that you're in. I love what he had to say about how his clients would go to his website and he was doing weddings and he was doing dentists and that that alone was enough to scare off clients. And we talked about this idea of client portfolio fit. Mm, Yeah. Are the types of clients that you want to get getting to your webpage and is your portfolio a fit for those types of clients? So again, that's a word we're going to bring up a lot from the future on the podcast, client portfolio fit. So sort of take note of that, guys. So I'm looking forward to our future with this podcast. What we're doing, the interviews we've done so far have been awesome. The, few, the ones we have lined up are awesome. It took so damn long to get through this, but I, I'm just glad to finally get the, the ball rolling on this again. Me too, man. It feels fantastic. I'm so pumped. We've got four episodes that we're going to do this yeah, week alone. Yeah. We're doing, you're not going to hear them for a long time, listener, just so you know. 